What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt back at you on a rare victory Monday here for the New York Jets. What a win. The Jets pull out uh, a bit of a stunner, realistically, in, in my eyes, Matt's eyes, and I'm sure many others. 30-6, to six, the Jets win. Zach Wilson near perfect in the second half. Hashtag revenge game. Uh, we got, we're going to go over all things Jets, go around the league. We'll talk some Shohei Otani news. And then we got a big Monday night football game tonight with the New York Giants. So a lot to talk about. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. Yeah, uh, that Jets game that we're going to get into, we said that the the line that we took on that game was the the one that we liked most all season. So we both jumped on Texans minus three and a half. And what do you know? The Jets kind of uh, slaughter them after the first half. Un- unbelievable. And yeah, I think even our quotes were, this is, you said it right. This was the bet that we, we liked the most all season. Yeah. And right after I, I think, said that, right after I was like, you know what? This is honestly the line I'm most attracted to. This is the one I've liked the most all season. You immediately were like, oh man, you're kind of talking me out of it now. Yeah. Well, only because. I'm a big believer in nothing is too obvious. And when stuff gets yeah. too obvious to me, that becomes a red flag. And I think, you know, personally, yesterday, uh, in terms of the picks, I was on the Chiefs minus one and a half. Well, definitely, there's definitely some conversation to be had about that game, but lost that one. You said we're both on Texans minus three and a half. You take the Bills minus or plus one and a half. That hits. And then our guest pick doesn't hit with the Colts plus one and a half. We uh we went one for five yesterday as a as a collective, so yeah. Oh. I mean, we, we were due though. I mean, you know, we had to come back down to earth a little bit. We couldn't just make everyone all the money in the world. So uh, we were due for a bad week, but this doesn't hurt my my confidence for show picks moving forward. Yeah, and, and maybe it's a direct correlation with, or re- I think we have reverse correlation with the Jets when we do good in our picks, the Jets do bad, and when the Jet when we do bad in our picks, the Jets do good. And yeah, maybe that's directly linked. Yeah, they're they're in on us. But let's start with the Jets because look, all, yesterday let's let's get back to you know uh, obviously pregame, gross day, raining. Uh, the first half was was it zero zero at the end of at the end of the first half? Just yeah. it was, it, it, oh, it I wanted like, to I wanted to throw this nugget out too. Go ahead. That game was the first game to have a zero zero first half since 2016 and then at four o'clock the Raiders and the Chargers did the same thing that's crazy what a what a league man that's I didn't know that but I mean I'll say this for the for for pregame again rainy day gross day you know as as that the game is kind of approaching you know 1245 1250 I'm like looking at different lines and reading some different things and I'm like man this is a weird day uh, on the road for the Texans. I think it could have been a very much overlooked spot here for them. And, and I started to get, I'll be honest, and I don't even sound like, you know, Monday morning quarterback, or I was even going to make any guarantees that the Jets would win. But I started to get very, very skeptical of the Texans, like within the last like 30 minutes before game time. Well, this Just, is kind of like, I think the weather played a huge part. Um, the weather is really the only reason that I benched CJ Stroud. But looking back at the game now, you know, hindsight 2020, it feels like the line made sense because they were essentially down their top three receivers in 
uh, Tank Dell, uh, forgive me, I forget the other receiver's name, and then Dalton Schultz, who's essentially probably, you know, the third most important receiver on that team. So then you're down to Noah Brown, um, who I think he had six or seven targets, no catches, because Sauce Gardner's just all over him. They really had nowhere to go with the ball. Yeah, they they if you look at the box score yesterday, uh, Brevin Jordan, who I believe is, you know, technically their backup tight end for the Texans, he was their leading receiver, three catches for 35 yards. I mean, C.J. Stroud finishes 10 for 23, 91 yards, and he was sacked four times. I, I think that there were so many things yesterday that, honestly, and the score might not dictate this, but for, for much of this game, like we said, 0-0 at half. It, the Jets end up end up putting 30 and a half, which is kind of crazy to think about. But this was a really ugly defensive game for most of it until I feel like, you know, Jets scored, scored twice. Um, they and it becomes what is it fourteen nothing at one point or was it fourteen yeah, six? Yeah. But this was uh, just like any other Jets game where, you know, we're running down the second quarter. The Jets, you know, we've seen the graphic four times: punt, 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 and it just looks like any other Jets game where you're like, yeah, they're playing great defense, but eventually, you know, something's going to break here. The Texans are going to score, and then after that, the game's going to feel like it's over. Um, this time it went the other way, which was nice, and I guess it starts. Uh, with Zach Wilson. Uh, can you explain this? Because I certainly can't. Um, I don't understand why every time his back is against the wall, he's Brian Dan Marino. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me, but anything you you maybe could have seen that the Jets did to maybe cater to Zach or, or anything like that, or was this just sort of a just a big spot and he kind of went out there and proved it? In, in tough conditions, I might add. Well, I'll, I'll say this, a, a couple of things on that. I, it is it is very, very um, confusing. It doesn't make any sense why Zach performs this way when, you know, he's on his last leg, both literally and uh, metaphorically. But he it, it was unbelievable. And I thought that there was something interesting that Rex Ryan said this morning um, where he said that he, he this was the first time that he actually thought the play calling for the Jets offense looked like they were just they were just doing different things. It was whether it was pre-snap motions or it, it was very it it wasn't it, we, a lot of Jet fans have been begging for, you know, the, uh, the Jets to quote unquote open it up and Zach Wilson to just play very free and not not be so, you know, uh, uh, handcuffed, I guess you could say. And, and I thought that there was a lot of different things that the Jets did that were, were very, very interestingly drawn up like I'll, for instance, one off the top of my head. And it was almost comical at the time because even when Randall Cobb scores that touchdown, so what that was. Oh, real was, quick, we here at Apanis would like to congratulate uh, Randall Cobb on his last NFL touchdown. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully more, but yes, last NFL touchdown uh, for Randall Cobb might just be healthy and active the rest of the year. Uh, just need to get that one under his belt. But that that play specifically, go back and watch that play. That is a beautifully drawn up play that if you're a Madden player, you probably recognize it. But all it is is pretty much everyone to go run a vert and then Randall Cobb, you just drag across the entire formation and beat your guy to the other side. And he had – there was no one within 15 yards of him and he skated into the end zone. Uh, it was a beautiful play and it wasn't – you know, it wasn't any sort of crazy read. It wasn't asking Zach to do too much, but it was it was just beautifully drawn up. And, and I thought that yesterday – among other plays, but that one specifically was one of, I'd say, maybe three or four that I, I watched and I said, wow, like 
I think three, four weeks ago, regardless of who the quarterback was, I don't know if the Jets run that kind of play. And I don't know. I just thought that, especially, obviously, especially in the second half, where I think Zach Wilson had one incompletion the entire second half. Uh, I I really liked what I saw yesterday, and yeah. it's it's one thing to to have a highlight performance like that, but you know it's it, it would to me think what you want about where the Jets are, but for Zach Wilson specifically, you you got to kind of back it up with at least another respectable one next week. Yeah, because now it's another week where uh, the sky isn't falling, and like that Randall Cobb play that you mentioned, I mean. They ran a lot of stuff like that. They caught Brees Hall underneath for, you know, 11 to 15 yards a couple times. Uh, I, I really like the way that – and that's not even to take anything away from uh, the performance of Zach Wilson because when those weren't there, I mean, we saw him dotting up seams to tight ends, you know, all half long, I should say. Yeah, that that one throw to uh, – was CJ Uzama? Was it Uzama? Was it Uzama? I think Uzama was out, actually. Well, I'm pretty sure it was. Hold on. Let me, let me just – I have the box score right in front of me, but – um, Tyler Conklin, sorry, not Uzama. Yeah. yeah, Tyler Conklin, who, you know, has everyone, a lot of people have been saying for a long time now is, has been kind of underutilized as a receiver. Uh, and I thought that that, that catch he made over the middle on that like tight end scene that Zach Wilson just kind of threw it up for him was a great play. I, I mean, Garrett Wilson obviously, uh, does what he has to do. Brees Hall, eight for 86 receiving as well as 10 for 40. The, my only complaint. And I guess, you know, partially this is just, you know, your quarterback cooking per se, but I just like to see the Jets run the ball more and more positive, uh, like lights. So not necessarily, I guess, the- but we, we've seen, you know, even uh, Chris Jones said it or whoever it was on the Chiefs, like you kind of went into all these games with the defense just knowing, like, yeah, this team is looking to run the football. So, I don't know. For me, it was kind of nice for to, to see the Jets switch it up. And the fact that it was working, uh, you know, I, I didn't really see any reason to move off of that. Yeah, well, the, the only thing I, I saw yesterday that I, I guess I didn't like out of Zach, I thought there was multiple times where either he got tackled or was scrambling where I still am like, like, realistically, when the Jets are up 14 to six, you – I, I mean, I can speak for myself personally, but I'm going to assume you feel the same way where you were like, okay, Jets will, Jets might still lose this game. They'll get a, a stupid play. Texans will march on the field, score, two-point conversion, tie game, and then they'll they'll end up winning late in the game. I don't know if you well, felt that, that, that way. That actually but almost happened because it, I, I don't want to kill exactly. Zach Wilson for this. He, he was excellent. But when he fumbles there and the yes. Texans score – uh, that was really like a pendulum swing that normally is game losing for the Jets. So, yeah, like not only did I think they were going to lose like you did or think that there was a good chance they were going to lose, when that happened, I was like, oh, this might be it right here. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's exactly what I was about to say. The only thing I, di- the only thing I didn't like at a Zach Wilson yesterday that is, is uh, I don't know if the Texans' defense is, is necessarily bad per se. I think they're more so around that average range. Uh, again, they got beat up by Zach Wilson yesterday, so I can't really speak glowingly of them. But I think that for a lot of other teams and defenses that maybe are of a higher caliber than the Texans, I think the, that like something like that might have happened maybe one more time or there would have been another interception that could have been had. I thought there were a couple of couple throws yesterday that like even even the one the tight end seam, right? Like or, or there was a couple to Garrett Wilson. Look, and I'm all for you know, giving your receiver a chance to make the play on the ball. And this might be hypercritical of Zach, but I still think that he takes that, like, 
uh, there were times a couple of completions where he almost like does that as like a panic where he'll be like, all right, I'm just going to throw it to Garrett Wilson. But sometimes they're just really not good throws. Like there's, there's giving yeah. your receiver a chance to make a play and then there's making a bad throw. And I thought there was maybe two to three yesterday that he made a bad throw that either just fell incomplete or their, the receiver made a great play. And I, I'm nervous of that going forward, but yeah, that's but, but again, I mean, it, it was a tough, um, you, you know, it was tough to throw the ball yesterday. I would have to imagine. And I mean, listen, the jets luck out. They, you had, I mean, CJ Stroud, unfortunately at the end has his head banged against the turf. We're going to hope that he's all right. He's in concussion protocol right now, but you go into the game, no tank Dell, uh, no Nico Collins, no Dalton Schultz. Um, you know, I, I think the Texans are a team that want to get into shootouts. And we've seen them interchange receivers before and really not miss a beat. Uh, but we haven't seen them depleted like this. And so I, I guess the Jets were able to capitalize and the Texans couldn't win the game uh, the way that they try to win games. So, But good on the Jets. You know, it, it's a week where we don't have to hear as much nonsense coming out of the building, coming out of the media. And so I'll take a win anywhere I can get it. A hundred percent. And then especially with uh, next week, the Jets play the Dolphins, who actually played tonight. So um, two Monday Night Football games tonight, Titans, uh, Dolphins, and then the Packers at the Giants. Um, but, uh, you know, as for the Jets looking forward, I, I, the first thing I saw on the sideline yesterday after the game, Robert Sala was, uh, you know, you can say what you want about him and you can say what you want about you know, like uh, everything that's gone on with, you know, I, I even said just in the last episode that I, be, or maybe two episodes ago that I thought he lost the locker room and it still might be, might be very true. And it might be something that we, we it's just closer to monitor, but winning is the ultimate glue. And if you win, even if you, you win one realistically, and I don't even think this is a crazy statement, this one win here might have saved the Jets locker room from imploding for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I guess hats off to Robert Sala because they must have made adjustments at halftime. Because, like I said, this yeah. was the quintessential Jets game for an entire half. And, um, you know, I, I was getting ready to flip the channel. It was just kind of like, can the Texans score so I can feel like this is over and move on with my day? But, you know, I, I guess the Jets actually came out, did some things differently, and it seemed to work. So I'll give yeah. Robert and Sala's credit there. At the same time, though, I mean, that whole first half, we're texting each other like, oh, look, more illegal contact. Yeah, the Jets also, uh, yeah, very funny you say that because there was on the broadcast yesterday, uh, they didn't give us any credit for bringing it up, uh, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll get in talks with CBS and that whole crew later on. But we were the first people to bring up the fact that the Jets constantly get illegal contact. They lead the NFL. And then yesterday, they bring to light that not only do the Jets lead the the, the NFL in illegal contact penalties, but the Jets also lead the NFL on defense uh, in roughing the passer penalties. I was unaware of that until yesterday. Uh, and look, I don't want to sound like that guy that's just going to constantly look for things to rip the Jets about, but that stuff like that, and we, we saw it kind of point blank one-to-one in the Chiefs game, but penalties lose you games. And I, I think you, we're going to look back at this season, even if the Jets miraculously finish with, you know, three more wins on the season somehow or, you know, two more wins even. I think we're going to look back in the season and when we're, we're kind of writing the story of this season, the fact that there were so many silly penalties amidst the locker room kind of uh, being very close to, to blowing up and amidst all the, the turmoil off and on the field, I think what's going to be written about this season 
is still ultimately might fall on Robert Sala. I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but if you're a believer that penalties are on the coach or the coaching staff, not a good thing to lead the NFL in two pretty blatant uh, penalties. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, and this is just good Monday morning feelings after a win, but it just feels like they're going to, they're going to be granted that Aaron Rodgers excuse and they'll be able to run it back. And I didn't realize that uh, CBS didn't give us credit, but that's nothing new. We had the show almost blown up over over Fox last year, and now CBS screws us this year. It's nothing new. For us. It's it's us against the broadcasting world. Yeah, yeah. They really? they don't they don't like us because we're we're just we're doing it better than them. And then Vegas doesn't like us either because we were we were crushing them for fourteen weeks. Yes. Yep. So we're just we're just blackballed here. But um, yeah. I, look, the the I, I liked what I saw to the Jets yesterday. Um, I, I, I still am obviously I'm my, I don't have high hopes for the Dolphins game, but as, as we kind of go around the league here, it's kind of any given Sunday at this point in the season, realistically. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, uh, anything else you wanted to add to, to the jet conversation before we get to some of the other games around the league? No, not really. Yeah, no, I think I, I, it's a good feeling, but at the end of the day, like taking a step back here, they're five and eight. They the games yeah. that they needed to win. You know, I would have loved to see this Zach Wilson performance against the Chargers a couple weeks ago. I would have loved to see this. Yeah, Zach I know, Wilson but performance, I, I can't you know? myself go back and say, oh well, now I disagree with that decision because it was just so bad that what were you supposed to do? Well, not even talking about the decision per se. I'm talking about just in terms of just Zach Wilson, not even the Jets, like. Like you said, like where was this against the Raiders when they lose sixteen to twelve and don't do a lick on offense? Where was this against the Chargers uh, when they they put up six points at home on Monday Night Football? Right, yeah. you know where I I don't know where all this was. Yep. Yeah, for a lot of these games, you could have done half of what you did in one half of football yesterday. Came out with a few wins, and and that changes the season completely. Like, wait, it, you're, you're still in it. If, if they win two of those games that they should have won, they're still in it. Yeah, oh, look at Denver very, right very now. Much. Denver's one game out of the out of the division. Yeah, very, very much still still in the conversation. And even yesterday, the team that you beat, right? Like, let's let's just say you you beat the the Chargers and the Raiders. For them, that doesn't change anything. Realistically, the Chargers stink. They would have been if the if the Chargers lost to the Jets, they would have been four and nine, and the Raiders would have also been four and nine. Then the Jets would have been seven and six at this point. If you look at the playoff bracket, the teams that are six through six through eleven in the AFC are seven and six. Yeah. yeah. So, just again, it's if Zach Wilson goes out there next week and he has another great game and they miraculously win, we can start talking about kind of you know realistically being you know at playing somewhat meaningful games in, in the end of December, right? You, yeah. you get. Looking at the rest of the Jets' schedule, right? And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but let's just say the Jets get another amazing Zach Wilson performance in Miami. I'm not, not going to kill you for suggesting that. We watched them beat Philadelphia. It could yeah, happen. Yeah, it, it, it could happen. But again, I think the Dolphins going to Miami against this Dolphins team, uh, oh, yeah. we'll see what happens tonight. Yeah, but, but you know what? So- the Jets kind of played them tough for a half with Tim Boyle until the fail Mary. Yeah, well, yes. But I think I think still my point holds that even if they win next week, they're still very much on the outside looking in. 
Yeah, no, the season's over, hundred yeah. percent. But uh, again, like, let's just if the Jets were to somehow win next week, let's just let's just paint this out for shits and gigs. The Jets would go to five to six and eight. Then they play the Commanders at home. That's a very winnable game. Seven and eight, let's just say. Then they play the 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 Browns in Cleveland. You're not going to win that game, I don't think. Uh, again, w- with Joe Flacco, your favorite quarterback in the league, uh, finding the fountain of youth over there, uh, I don't think you win that game. And that's just as meaningful of going to be just as meaningful of a game for them as it is for you. And then you play, you finish the season with the lowly Patriots in New England. Those are, I mean, I think the Jets will be lucky if they get two wins there of the next that four. That game right there is going to be the – that's the Super Bowl. So the Jets – so. So the Jets are, are going to finish, in my mind, the Jets are going to finish with seven wins. Yeah, six or seven, sure. Six or seven, yeah, six or seven wins, I think, is almost a, almost a certainty. I, you know, if they, if they finish with five and don't win another game, that, that, that's not going to be a good look. And I think that that's going to be one where we look back at this specific game and say, okay, cool, got one good Zach Wilson game all year. Yeah, the, the feeling I have right now is the one that I want to go into this offseason with. Yeah, like exactly. Beat the Patriots of the last week, have a good Zach Wilson game, and just get like, I don't believe in momentum season to season per se. No, me but... neither, but just get me, like, get me excited. Like, don't have me this whole offseason being like, oh my God, like, just don't leave a bad taste in my mouth. I'm already cautiously excited about next season. So, can we at least just finish up strong? Yeah, and and who knows? Maybe maybe Rodgers does come back, and maybe he not going to say he wins the game, but let's just say the last the last game of the season, Rodgers is in at quarterback versus the Patriots, and you absolutely just beat down that a lowly Patriots team, and Rodgers shows that he's healthy. Yeah. I think yeah, that's. I mean, that'll be something, but I, I still yeah. I still just don't need to see him. But I mean, this was this was a nice slate. Um, we you know yeah. a couple big four o'clock games, a huge Sunday night game. Uh, what's our jumping off point here? Where do you want to go? Well, let's 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 talk about not we don't have to talk in depth about every single game, but again, there was a lot of good games that happened yesterday. Um, the Buccaneers uh, upsetting the the Falcons in Atlanta. Uh, that's a huge game in terms of the NFC and the playoff standings there. Um, uh, Baker Mayfield with a with that's about as Baker Mayfield of a game as it gets. They now the Buccaneers now vault into first place in the NFC South at a lowly six and seven record. Um, and again, there's three teams that are six and seven in the NFC South, and only one will make the playoffs there. Yeah, and in the AFC, another game that uh, we'd like to have back. We both did say, you know, I thought about taking the Bears as dogs again. I just don't see it this week. But they upset once again. Another big loss for. I shouldn't even say big loss for the Lions. They kind of they built up a cushion, but I'm at least concerned about the Lions. Yeah, and this is my our kind of reasoning for the Bears was. Last time they played the Lions, they a lot of times they win that game w- given uh, you know the circumstances. They were they I believe they led into like at least halfway through the fourth quarter, uh, and they kind of just crumbled there. But Justin Fields is. I was having this conversation yesterday. If you're the Bears, I think you either are holding on to Justin Fields, or you're hoping that someone gives you and you you can a, a huge package for Justin Fields. I guess, and, and it's he, like on a different scale, obviously, because you know we've seen Zach Wilson reach lows that no one's ever reached. I do think there's a little bit of Zach Wilson with Justin Fields. Like we're okay. coming off a big week, and he obviously has the ability to do all these things, just like Zach does. Like we saw yesterday, 
but there's so many games where you're just scratching your head with Justin Fields. I'm I'm gonna agree to disagree. I don't want to get into too deep of of you know Chicago Bear talk here, but look at look at the Bears, right? They they if you believe even lukewarmly in in Justin Fields, you have Justin Fields who at the end of the day is going to be the most talented player on the football field whenever he's on the football field most times for the most part. That's you have strong. Justin Fields at court. I mean, that's how highly I think of him athletically. Athletically, I'm saying not necessarily the better, the best quarterback, but he's the best athlete in the field most times. I, I guess. Okay, so breezing through this, but you have Justin Fields, you have DJ Moore, who I don't know if you've seen DJ Moore's numbers, but since Fields is back and whenever Fields is back, he's a wide receiver one. You just traded for Montez Sweat from the uh, Commanders, and so. When you're in building a team, what do you look for? You look for a quarterback, an edge rusher, and one weapon as your foundation. They have that. So I think that the Bears are, are in a pretty good spot here in terms of, you know, going forward. Um, if again, I, I'm interested all- to know how where they're actually at with Justin Fields now because we, we kind of can surmise that they were looking to move on earlier this year when they kind of figured out the season was lost. Um, I'd like to know where they are now. Yeah, it, it and it will be definitely an interesting uh, storyline to follow there. Um, another game I'd like to thank to... you, obviously, for my, uh, you know, chiming in on my decision to bench C.J. Stroud for one Justin Fields. That should get me into our fantasy playoffs. Um, and I still have a chance, a slight one, but I still have a chance to maybe face you in the first round here. Yeah, I bit very dependent on what happens tonight. Uh, if, if one team wins... I lose the bye week, that the first round bye. If that team loses, I uh, will end up playing the sixth seed, which may we'll very well possibly be kill heavy. You are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd, okay. I'd, 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 you know what? I just realized I might be disrespecting you to your face, but I, I'd rather yeah. see you. I was going to say. <laughs> the other team. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple other games definitely want to get into. The Browns. Uh, Joe Flacco ball. I'll let, I'll let you give uh, your favorite quarterback his flowers, but I love me some Joe Flacco outduels Trevor Lawrence, who looked absolutely abysmal yesterday. Uh, three interceptions. Uh, you know, there was questions whether he would play or not. Here's the thing though. He looked abysmal yesterday and he looked a hundred percent healthy. Yes. Yeah. He so, did. Uh, it, it, it was one of those kind of performances of Trevor Lawrence. He, he's not immune to them. We see them every now and then. Um, I, I get that the Browns' defense is electric. Uh, I know that they're sort of experiencing experiencing a second win with Joe Flacco here, and maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, but yeah, no dreadful play from Trevor Lawrence. But let let me talk about Joe Flacco for a minute. Thirty eight years old, off the couch, uh, galvanizing a team. I don't know if you saw him in the locker room after. I mean, there's good feelings around the Browns right now. That that's a team that I'm rooting for. Yeah, I, I, me too. I think it would be a really cool story to to kind of see, again, a guy like Joe Flacco go, come into the league and or come back into the league and, and really kind of, uh, I don't want to say bring their season back per se, but, you know, you lose a guy like Deshaun Watson, you lose your, I think, m- multiple backups for the Browns have gotten hurt, uh, which kind of has led you to Joe Flacco. But looking at them, don't want to sound like the, you know, Aaron Boone, but it's right in front of the Browns. They get the... They get the Bears next week uh, in Cleveland. Then the, a huge game is going to be Browns-Texans uh, in terms of the AFC. Um, the, that might be a, that might be a, a pseudo-playoff game, kind of season-ending game 
depending on where the teams are at. Uh, and then, then they play the Jets. The Browns play the Jets at home. That's a Thursday night game, uh, th- the 28th of December. And last game of the season, Browns-Bengals, who I, I guess we can, we can talk right about the Bengals game now. This Browning kid might be good. Yeah, he, he might be. He might be. Yeah, and, and you know they they beat the the Colts thirty four to fourteen. That is uh, remarkable, honestly, for a backup quarterback to put up thirty four points like that. Uh, that's cr- I'm not going to say that he did it himself. Uh, Joe Mixon was great, but yeah, that's they- what I was going to say. They're they're kind of just playing a different brand of football, you know. Not that there's anything wrong with the football they played with Joe Burrow. Um, but, you know, it, it used to just kind of be like we're going to win or lose with Jamar Chase sort of thing. And now, I mean, it, you're seeing Mixon get involved like it's five years ago. Yeah, and and he looks good. The whole team looks good. Uh, I think the – not going to – I don't want to say discounting Joe, Joe Burrow's, I guess, uh, relevance to the team, but cons- all things considering, being 7-6 after, you know, Joe Burrow was hurt to begin the season. He's been hurt for the past, what, three weeks now? Uh, they're, it's pretty impressive what the Bengals are doing. I, I must say that. So I'll give, give props to the coaching staff there. The yeah, Colts- there was a, a rant that I had went on a couple of weeks ago, just about the Bengals handling of uh, Joe Burrow's injury. And, uh, you know, just in terms of the correlation to betting and all that, um, they were found to have done nothing wrong apparently. So I just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, for, and then for, for the Bengals looking forward for them, they they find themselves look AFC North probably locked up by the Ravens victory yesterday, but in terms of in terms of the playoff picture, they're they're right there. They're one of those seven. The Bengals are one of those seven and six teams that uh, you're talking Texans, Broncos, Buffalo, uh, Steelers. Those are those are going to be the teams that I think two of those teams might end with winning records and will probably be sent home, uh, not in playoffs. Yeah, and, so, and yeah. about the Ravens, that Ravens game, they went on a walk-off punt return touchdown to the Rams. Uh, one of the better games we saw all week. Uh, did you were you able to catch much of that one? I, I I did see most of it because I had some some vested interest in the the Ravens money line, um, and so I was as a minus four hundred favorite on there. They I thought that that was I I honestly it was one of those wins where. I've said this time and time again, the Ravens, I don't say the Ravens played down to the Rams, but they just like let them hang around. And this uh, everyone, you know, I I've been so high in the Ravens. I'm still high in the Ravens. They're a top three team in the NFL, in my opinion right now. I think I probably go 49ers and then you can flip flop the Cowboys yeah, and, and the Philly, Ravens. Right? Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that game for sure, but flip flop the, the Cowboys and the Ravens as that, the, the second and third seed, however way you want it. I think that's your top three in the NFL right now. I'm right about there too. I'm right about yeah. there. And then for the Rams, it this is just an unfortunate season, honestly. Six and seven. Uh, I think, you know, they, they put up, the Rams have put up, listen to this, 30, 31 points, 36 points, and 37 points three weeks in a row. They're, they're, two, and, they're two and one, but if I told you three weeks ago that they would put up 30-plus points three weeks in a row, You'd probably think that would be an auto sweep for the Rams. Well, it so, should be. It should be. Yeah, and and they put up thirty six points against the Browns defense that is probably tops in the league, if not top three. Yeah, I do have a, a bone to pick with you. So you had Ravens money line. What was the line on this game? Like minus four hundred. No, no, the line. Oh, oh, um, 
I it was either, it, depending on where you got it. I think it was either six and a half or five. All and right, a half. fine, fine. Because you did take the Rams to cover, and then he bet Ravens money line. I just wanted to know if there was a. I just wanted to know if there was anything there. I I thought the I thought I think I put or you know what maybe I took it at because when we did the podcast earlier in the week maybe it was all the way up at seven and a half and went down to six and a half possibly and may, I I really did like it at seven and a half I have to go I have to go listen back to to whatever I said but yeah, I, yeah. I I would assume that it, some sort of a hook reasoning was in there when I took it um, but I I thought I thought the whole time that the Ravens would win but I thought it would be a close game so uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think really the, the two games that I, I really want to get into here are Chiefs-Bills and then obviously um, the Eagles and Cowboys. So the Chiefs-Bills game, uh, there's a game that I assume we both saw all of. Um, you know, a, a good game, a more defensive bout than we've really ever seen from these two teams. Um, but if we fast forward to the play that wasn't, the pass to Travis Kelsey, which then gets thrown back to Kadarius Tony. Um, really an unbelievable play. I liked what Mahomes said about it when he said they should still show it. You know, I hope when Travis Kelsey goes to the Hall of Fame, they still show that play because it was really cool. Uh, it gets called back because Kadarius Tony, I mean, half of his body is offsides. Now, after the game, I can kind of get down with what Andy Reid said uh, when he said, well, you know, normally what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to warn you, right? Because there's no, there's no sense in us running a play that's not going to count. But Mahomes after the game, I mean, you're looking at like the the camera angle of him and Josh Allen, where he's saying that's just the it, that was embarrassing. That's the worst effing call I've ever seen. What are you talking about? I mean, that was like the most Brittany Mahomes thing I've ever heard. Now, you know, she's a fan. I get it. Like she can kind of say whatever she wants. Patrick Mahomes, you're better than that. It's a penalty. What do you what, you want them to not call it? Oh, let us play. Let us play. He's offsides. Well, I don't, I, I just don't, I didn't really get where the Chiefs kind of the whining and the moaning came from. This is a team that has benefited from so many calls over the years. And I have to hear it when it's clearly, clearly a penalty. I don't know. Big win for Buffalo, but I just post game. Not that anyone cares about my opinion. I, I lost a little respect there for, for some of the, uh, some of the Chiefs. Well, all right. So I'm I'm not necessarily on the opposite side of this argument or conversation, but I'll say this. I I, I have some sort of I don't even want to say I agree with Mahomes and the Chiefs, but in a situation like that, and this might be a much bigger NFL conversation more so than just this game, but I, I have long been, and I believe you have been on the same side of this conversation as well, but I have long been uh a, a proponent of why the heck are we using you know, manual chain movers and, and markers as in, in 2023 going into 2024. My, my one take on this is Kadarius Tony being, you know, offsides like that is wildly ridiculous in terms of, in terms of Kadarius Tony's just, you know, uh, right. knowing where you are in the field. If he just looks to his right, he's five feet in front of everybody. Yes. But, and and I don't necessarily I don't really ever say this about calls and I'm not a fan of this thinking. But for a play like that, where he is standing still, he did not motion. He was was literally just just standing there as part of the formation. And 
it, it, there was no, you know, I spoke about the Dolphins and how Tyreek Hill runs. They run him side to side and every play it's borderline illegal motion because he's almost going forward and they have it down to a science. And I think they need to change that rule. I think it is, it is so ridiculous that not only, and I don't want to say that this is any sort of ref problem or any sort of, uh, you know, officiating problem or the official should have done something, but the fact that a game can be determined on and a, a play that would have probably went down in NFL history as one of the craziest game winning eventual plays ever has to be called back because a guy was standing still and an inch, not even an inch above the line. I think it's just not a good look on the league. I, I really don't. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but I, I feel like we're almost saying that just because Travis Kelsey turned around and started playing backyard football with it. And the flag was out before he did that, by the way. Because, like, it, I get it's a big moment. It's a close game. We're kind of knotted up. It didn't It didn't really decide the game. They got a circus touchdown taken away that shouldn't have counted. Yeah. Uh, but but I, my point, I, I, it's like a tough – Because like, if that's just morning. a pass to Travis Kelsey that's get, that gets called back, no one says anything. But the flag's already out, and then he throws it behind him. What do you want the refs to do? Say, oh, on second thought, that was really cool. Have it? Yeah, but also, too, I'll take this. I'm going to take this another layer deeper, right? There, there has been a big shift in the NFL in the last – this year especially and last year where if you get the defense to go off sides, it is very hard to get that playoff. What happens if Travis Kelsey, you know, God forbid, broke his leg on that play? What do you mean? Like, like if if Kadarius Tony is offsides in the beginning of that play, and the flag is thrown in the beginning of that play because Kadarius Tony is offsides, why isn't that play stopped? Well, you'd have to ask the Chiefs. I guess they didn't know that they were offsides. But, but are you no, saying but, but the before were... the ball is snapped? No, but but right if if some if there's an offensive player that is offsides, that play is not. It doesn't matter what happens really on that play. That play should be stopped. That's I know I understand the rule is if I think the rule is if there's no motion involved they don't stop it uh, if it's like a standalone penalty like a um you know someone I think the rule is that if you're just offsides and you're not in motion the play doesn't get stopped but if yeah. I'm the Chiefs I kind of want that play to be stopped like I I don't want this is again this is totally an aside this is just something right. that this I, I thought about football as conversation it's not really yeah, again much bigger football conversation but. Again, what happens if Travis Kelsey, God forbid, broke his leg on that play, and then it was called back? Well, then that's a total shame, and I, and I sort of agree with you. I have no problem with the play kind of being dead right at the snap. I have no problem. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like in my opinion, I watched that, and my first thought was, if someone's offsides to begin the play, but or you know, if someone jumps false start, they don't let you run the play. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the other, I guess the other way to look at it would be, what if Travis Kelsey throws that ball backwards, doesn't complete it, and the defense jumps on it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. Then they they just get to run it back because they blew the play dead immediately, and and the defense doesn't have a chance to to counter it to decline it. Well, I just think if someone's offsides, then I don't think, yeah, I think it should be something like a false start where you just kind of can't decline it. It's, all right, you started to play with this guy offsides, blow the snap dead, He, you started to play, he's offsides, plays dead. 
Yeah, blow that's the whistle. Talk about for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, but I, just and back I, to my initial point about just not liking the complaining. I mean, there's footage of from last night of Travis Kelsey getting away with just mugging someone. So, like, really, can we please stop it? Well, it, I, it, it's bugging me. To be honest, I'm not a really even a big fan of anyone, not necessarily the Chiefs, but uh, to when you say, I feel like every single year the conversation is always the officiating so bad, the officiating so bad. Is the officiating bad or are we just, you know, we get so many camera angles now and everyone is, everyone has all 22s and every clip is goes on every Instagram and every uh, X and, and, you know, everything. Is it that, or are we just kind of hyper-focused on looking for fouls like, or, or flags like in the NBA, right? We, there's this new initiative of, you know, once you have a guy running behind you and it's kind of made its way into the NFL where, I'll even watch college basketball games and guys will drive to the, to the hoop and they'll get fouled and they'll get congratulated more than if they made the basket. Like it's, it's like a whole nother aspect now that I really hope does not start creeping into the NFL. Yeah. But I feel like that's more of a pass interference kind of thing. It, it is. I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm kind of just jumping around here in, in terms of just all officiating under one umbrella, not necessarily even talking about the chiefs last night or Travis Kelsey or whatnot, but, I think that there's it's I guess it's smart from a competitive advantage to kind of play to the to, to the whistle in terms of playing for a foul or penalty. But uh, that I thought that Kadarius Tony call was I mean, when I saw it, it's almost like one of those things. It's like, I right, look, his his big toe was across the line. Like, I understand that if that's the case, you know, on a, on a catch out of bounds, that makes a difference. But did that really make a big would if his if he was a half inch behind the 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 line of scrimmage? No, I'm, I'm there, not sure it made a difference. I, I just I don't know. I, I just feel like Patrick Mahomes reaching for the top shelf with his words, saying it's the worst effing call I've ever seen. When it's not an incorrect call, uh, I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way. But uh, just yeah, moving was, forward, I, I did mention earlier comment. that I'm sorry. Go ahead. It was a loser comment. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as I just mentioned, the the Broncos do beat the Chargers, I believe it was yesterday. Um, Cortland Sutton with an absolute circus uh, touchdown catch in the end zone where he's just getting mauled. Uh, Broncos win, Chiefs lose. The Broncos in the AFC West just one game behind Kansas City, which is kind of remarkable if you look back a you know a month and a half or so. Uh, Chiefs on the horizon, Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers. Um, so pretty easy there. I could I could probably see them going four and zero. And in the Broncos' case, give me one moment here. They would have the Lions, Patriots, Chargers, and Raiders. So really winnable games for both teams here, and a one game edge for the Chiefs. So um, any concern for the Chiefs here? Uh, well, my concern for the entire year now has been. Uh, I mean. In terms of them making the playoffs and whatnot, I think at the worst, the Chiefs will probably have to go play a road playoff game, which we haven't really seen much in the Mahomes playoff era. But I think that uh, in terms of the Chiefs kind of X's and O's wise, I'll say this week in and week out, and they could still be have a great record. They could still finish with 10, 11 wins, still be, you know, a top three seed in the AFC or whatever, uh, a top five in power ranks, however you want to kind of look at them. But I'll tell you this. Uh, Travis Kelsey's taking a big step back. They still don't have a receiver that can catch the ball. They get bonehead plays like Kadarius Tony being offsides, like we just discussed. Uh, I think that this this is going to be a season where 
I don't want to say the Chiefs will go out early because, again, they you know who's throw ultimately at the end of the day controlling that team with probably one of one of if not the best quarterback ever in my opinion uh, at the helm. You always have a shot in any game, but I think it's going to be more of an up, uphill battle for the for the Chiefs than than any season prior with Mahomes. Oh yeah, some things have certainly caught up to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the. They really don't have a wide receiver one, and they a lot of the guys in their team that would that are have been you know had had weeks where they've been their wide receiver one would not be wide receiver ones on a lot of NFL teams or wide yeah, receiver twos. I, I, on a I lot just of think NFL we teams. we were uh we just t- kind of jumped the gun with the Tyree Kill conversation of like oh look they didn't miss a beat they just won another Super Bowl they they, they were still great um but like now you look at the Chiefs and you go because you imagine if they just had that guy yeah it, or. And that, I don't even think it, it, it even needs to necessarily be Tyreek Hill, though, like or, or someone like his caliber. Like, I think if you put a a competent, you know, real, you know, borderline wide receiver two, wide receiver one on that team that has like a proven track record uh, of being like a, a good NFL wide receiver. I even think that would that's all kind of Mahomes really needs. But he doesn't have anyone. Yeah. So Alan Lazard for Randall, Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb for uh Travis Kelsey, the the downward spiraling, spiraling uh, Travis Kelsey, we'll take him. Yeah, and then and then you can go to MetLife Games and sit right below t- uh, Taylor's suite. That's the dream. That that is the dream. Uh, Zach Wilson to Travis Kelsey as uh, tr- as Taylor applauds the touchdown. Yeah, yeah, that that would be that. Actually, Rogers to Kelsey would really be my. Oh yeah, Rogers to Kelsey, and and then uh, Taylor on the big board. That's just that's your yeah, heaven. Yeah. That that's like the stuff that I, I wake up from, <laughs> and then yeah. and then you wake up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so were um, you surprised by the Sunday night game we got here, where the Cowboys really kind of put their foot down? Not. Let me tell you this, and I mean it with every every single syllable of this. Not even you. in the slightest. I agree with you. And I I, I have been talking up the Cowboys in, in so many different chats, so many different people. I would have had super egg on my face if the Cowboys. Uh, lost this game. I I had egg in my face for talking up the Cowboys when when they beat the Seahawks, but they the Seahawks made it a game. I was told, oh, the Cowboys are the look, Sam. The Cowboys are overrated. They can't beat good teams. Well, what happened last night? They beat. They manhandled a great team. Yeah, I think the Cowboys have always been good, right? Last year, the year before, the year before that, they've always been a good team. Um, but you know, they, obviously Prescott injured last year and things like that, but. You look at his touchdown to interception ratio and all these things. He he was he's always been good, just like the Cowboys. They've always been good, but they kind of go as Dak goes. And I think Dak playing excellent football, um, you know, that makes the Cowboys excellent because we know they have the defense. So when they're doing this offensively, you know, dropping 30 a week, 33 on the Eagles and holding them to 13, uh, I think that's as good as they are. That's as good as they can be. As good as Dak plays, that's as good as Dallas is. Yeah, they. I think that I don't even think it's it's just him though. I just think that there's so many like like I was just saying about kind of the reverse. I'm, I'm just right? saying they've already had those pieces. You know, it's just kind of like him taking it to another level. I just think elevates everything. And I, and I watch them, and they have like a little bit of everything. Like they have they obviously Michael Parsons is that D line they have. The offensive line has been great. Tony Pollard is an elite running back. Uh, CD Lamb is uh, top three wide receiver in the NFL right now, in my opinion. Right. See, that that's the kind of thing that I attribute to that. We always knew CD Lamb was great, but right now you look at him and you go, that's like a top three receiver in the league. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that, uh, again, and then this defense is great. They, they have, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Deron Bland. Is that his name? The guy who has yeah. like seven pick sixes or something this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. He just took the spot of, uh, Trey Diggs. Yeah. He, uh, it, it's, they're, they're impressive. And I think that they're, they're going to, this might, I don't want to say this is going to be the Cowboys year, but I, I, I think they could, of all the teams, if you believe the 49ers are a true juggernaut, and, and I, and I really do think the 49ers are a juggernaut, but, and I know I said this about the Eagles, but, uh, I think on defense wise, I, I think the Cowboys 49ers matchup proverbially would be is we might be in line for that uh, down the road. Let me just put it down. Yeah, way. I'm with you. And it's easy to say because, you know, the Cowboys, we probably say are the second best team in the NFC. But I, I agree with you. Matchup wise, I, I, I mean, we, they certainly match up better than Philadelphia did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, well, let let's speak about Philly first. Listen, the Cowboys did get get murked by the 49ers, but that that feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, I I agree, and I think the Cowboys are a much better team now. I I think the 49ers are a better team now too, but I I still think that matchup wise, it, that would be a very interesting matchup for sure. Um, and and then you know as for the Eagles, I I think the Eagles kind of caught themselves in a little bit of a whirlwind, and maybe this is again on the NFL scheduling, but. They, they had three games in 13 days. We all know about this game, kind of their first game back on like normal rest. Uh, this whole Jalen Hurts injured thing, I don't really buy it. He looked fine yesterday. My problem with the Eagles is they've just completely abandoned the run. Uh, and, and I think that not necessarily Jalen Hurts running, but DeAndre Swift in the beginning of the year was great. And I thought that uh, they, they've kind of been abandoning him a little bit. So I think that getting back to that, that, you know, kind of ball dominant control oriented uh, uh, Eagles football is probably going to be their best avenue versus, you know, just trying to sling it every drive. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, any other notes? Slate wise, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, it, the only other thing on the docket today, uh, as for baseball, uh, Shohei Otani signing with the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers for the largest contract in uh, MLB history, not even uh, by, by a wide margin, 10 years, $700 million, uh, absolutely ridiculous numbers there for the Dodgers. But uh, I don't think it comes to a surprise of anyone um, yeah. as an ancillary move today. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you uh, give your two cents on that. But I as an that. ancillary move today, uh, the Dodgers need to clear two 40 man spots on their roster. So the Dodgers actually made a trade with the New York Yankees today. Uh, the Yankees sending in Trey Sweeney for Otani. Uh, uh, no, the the Dodgers needed to add two forty, uh, get two guys off their forty man for someone that wasn't on the forty man. Does that make sense? Yes. So the the Yankees traded uh, Trey Sweeney, who uh, shortstop, third base, I believe a little bit of outfield as well. Um, don't quote me on that, but uh, well, was the outfielder their... um, considerations? No, so it was for. Uh, I'm saying Trey Sweeney played those positions is what I was saying. Okay. And then for, from the Dodgers, the Yankees got left-handed reliever Victor Gonzalez and infielder Jorbit Vivas from the Los Angeles Dodgers, who I don't know a lick about uh, Vivas, but I can tell you Victor Gonzalez, 28 years old, left-handed reliever. And uh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself here, but uh, he reeks of like coming to the Yankees and randomly having a three, uh, a sub three ERA. Oh, so the Yankees did hang on to utility man uh, cash considerations. Yes, yeah, the the always okay. valuable cash considerations still part of the Yankees uh, Yankees 
uh, plans going forward. Um, and, and then the only, I guess, other news really for in terms of local baseball after, uh, you know, the remnants of the Juan Soto deal, uh, the Yankees meeting with Yamamoto today. And, and and could he be a Yankee by the end of the day? Uh, well, to be seen, could he be a Yankee by this week? Very possible. Could he be a Met by this week? Also very possible. So uh, yeah. we'll definitely have my only Met update here is that they do indeed uh, still suck as presently constituted. So we'll wait on the Yamamoto, on the Yamamoto news. Uh, as for Otani, he's just kind of dead to me. Um, just like he was once before. I, I can't really watch him now. Um, this was the last place I wanted him to go. But good for him. Um, I am interested to see what the deferrals actually look like because at first I just kind of figured this was going to be a backloaded contract. But then when I read unprecedented uh, deferrals, that gives me a little pause. I kind of wonder how long this contract is going to be or at least how long he's going to be owed money. Um, Yeah, I mean, on the baseball front, that's really all I got. But um, our glorious king, LeBron James, wins the first in-season tournament. That was fun. Yeah, and uh, before before we kind of get into uh, anything, any sort of that, I have some big Knicks breaking news, actually. Uh, I'm just reading about it now. Sorry if I sound the, uh, even the slightest bit uh, kind of off. Uh, not me, really I'm still one focused. to ten. How hot is this news? Uh, I mean, this is uh, not a trade, but an injury that oh. I think will set the Knicks season back a oh, lot. Great. Okay, so uh, I was getting excited, but... Whatever. No, do not get excited. Mitchell Robinson will have left ankle surgery this week and will be reevaluated in eight to ten weeks. That's not good. He is the no, anchor of their defense. And the only thing I'll say about this is there have been talks around the Knicks making a deal. There have been talks around the Knicks uh, kind of looking looking to not necessarily bring in a superstar per se, but uh, I read this morning in The Athletic that they were very in on DeMar DeRozan. Does this push them to make a deal like that? Does the lack of a center push them to try and make a trade for Carl Anthony Towns of the Knicks? I mean, of the uh, Timberwolves who have been rumored, nothing official, but rumored to be looking to shop him. Uh, not not good for the Knicks, but uh, sorry, just need to throw that in there before we kind of further in any basketball conversations. But yeah, LeBron, first, uh, the inaugural uh, in-season tournament MVP and champion. Uh, really, I thought this was such a win for the NBA, uh, the whole tournament, and then you know, you can yep. put your conspiracy hats on, but LeBron winning, Lakers winning. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I liked what LeBron said at the end where he kind of said, like, you know, they, they asked him when he received the MVP, like, oh, what did this mean to you? Uh, you know, how important was this to you? And he said, kind of like, you know, this might not have been, at the end of the day, this might have been just, you know, a couple more regular season games that were framed a little differently, but as a as a – ambassador of the league or we'll forget the word he said but as a leader of the team and as a leader in the league uh he felt that it was on his shoulders to kind of put forth the effort get his guys up for this and uh, i think for the nba having a star like that i think there's no amount of money that can kind of pay lebron enough for what he does for this league to be honest yeah, and that's really all you could have asked for lebron because the reason this was so great in my opinion is because of the player buy-in i, th- I think it all starts there And like what I said to you the other night, I just feel like once you get past really not caring about what they're playing for or what an in-season tournament championship even means, when you just look at it as like we're getting just just high level, just elevated regular season games to watch, I don't really see how you could look at at it as a negative thing. I thought it was awesome. 
Yeah, and I and I think the it's going to be this. It was the inaugural season, and I would not be stunned to see this obviously come back next year, but kind of be instilled in in multiple years going forward now, uh, or if not a staple. But and I think that it'll be a thing where like you know you might obviously get different teams that'll will will say like, uh, yeah, this means so much to us. But it'll be interesting to see what what teams will say like. Will the Lakers have a target on their back now going forward in the season? Will the Lakers have a target next year in the in-season tournament? Uh, a lot to be seen, but uh, more basketball to come, more baseball to come. Uh, Giants tonight, Monday Night Football, as well as the Dolphins-Titans game. Um, I, I like the Giants to win. Matt, I believe you also like the Giants to win tonight. Is that true? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think I was on. I was on Green Bay. Ah, oh yeah, you are a closet Green Bay fan. I always forget about that. Yeah, but, but this uh, is like an also who cares kind of game. I'm thinking yeah. about, I don't know if I've told you this, but I can kind of, I can see MetLife from my balcony, the balcony of the building. So I'm looking at it yesterday. I got to bring binoculars up there. Maybe I could catch a couple free jet games. But I'm thinking maybe I let the first quarter start tonight. And if I see tickets for like 20 bucks, I head over there and catch the second half. Wow. that I didn't even think about that logistically for you, but that, that would be very... That'd be pretty. If it's a game, right? Yeah, if it's a game. Yeah, if, if it's you know fifteen nothing, I might I might uh, stay home. But. Yeah. Well. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll have much more uh, kind of later in the week where we get to our week fifteen picks and around the league for week fifteen. Uh, maybe some Yamamoto news as well. More uh, the the MLB trade hot stove and free agent hot stove definitely going to start heating up now that Otani is off the market. Uh, So definitely stay tuned for that. Thank you all for listening and peace out.